The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of Radio Wave Medianomics. Uh, a friend of Medjugorje is out uh, at this moment writing uh, the new book, which uh, for those of you that have been listening to uh, Radio Wave over the last uh, several weeks now, uh, a friend of Medjugorje mentioned about a book that he's in the process of writing. That book is uh, soon to be finished and uh, hopefully on the press uh, within the next week or so. So we ask you to please keep that in prayer. Uh, to keep that in your daily prayers, it's a very important and very critical uh, for what it says for the world and where we are today. And so in light of this, uh, what's going on in the world today, uh, every once in a while, uh, we like to reach back into our little cedar chest of uh, past Medianomic shows, and it's amazing to us how timely they are. Uh, interestingly, uh, a Medianomic show from two years ago uh, that we're going to play for you is a clip actually from almost exactly two years ago, and the show was entitled, What About Healthcare? And it's amazing what you will hear, how it's going to shock you, uh, and what a friend of Medjugorje spoke about two years ago, and what's happening today. And it, and it, for us, we see this so clearly that if you're into the messages and you're into prayer, uh, you'll be able to see things uh, even before they come about. 
uh, the things that you say become almost prophetic. And so, uh, so in the next uh, few moments here, we're going to go into this excerpt from uh, March 25th, 2010, titled, uh, What About Healthcare? And so this is a friend of Medjugorje, March 25th, 2010, uh, Radio Wave Medjinomics. Well, I want to welcome everybody again today to the show. And <clears throat> we look to people in the past who sometimes gives little blurbs of wisdom to help us see into the future. Helen Keller, who, of course, was not able to speak or see or hear, of course, was taught by Ann Sullivan to do so. She once said, Helen Keller said, I have often thought it would be a blessing if each each man were stricken blind and deaf for a few days during their early adult life. Darkness would make them more appreciative of sight. Silence would teach them the joys of sound. And how true this is, is that the same thing our ladies coming to teach us uh, and prepare us really for a new world the way it's coming. And when we're without things, we see things we never could see when we're with things. And so much of our life is just this way. We have so many things and so many searching, uh, uh, seeking material goods and, and uh, a way of life we think is better. At the same time, we never enjoy the life. And often we have things, the want of things makes us not appreciate the things we have, which calculates down into the meaning of discontentment. And this is what's wrong with the world today is total discontentment. And we're not satisfied with, with having things a certain way. We want more. It's always more. Once the person who's happy, the one who experiences the greatest treasure and peace, is one who lives with contentment. Contentment is really the key today of, of, of being successful. That doesn't mean you, you can't work and strive and build up wealth or, or, or sustain yourself or put yourself in a better position. But how is that achieved? We've lost so much ground, we don't even know what's true anymore. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm literally amazed at the people that's for health care and have no wisdom in seeing what this means. We had feedback from what, something I wrote the other day uh, uh, in regards to this uh, as showing how heinous this is. And yet we've grown to this socialism, thought, a socialist thought, thinking that this is a deserved right. I don't deserve to turn the light switch on and have light in my house. I don't deserve even to have a house. Everything's a gift from God. I don't have any right to live in a house. I don't have any right that's owed to me that I've got a job or that I can go to the grocery store and buy groceries. That's not a right. You earn that. And so we've got an entitlement mentality, mainly from the church. Oh, that's dangerous words for somebody to pronounce as a faithful Catholic. No, it's not. The church, Christianity, has vacated the causes that's always kept the hospitals growing and the upkeep and the elderly taken care of and the, and the social aspects in society where we needed these things for people who couldn't feed themselves for whatever reasons or the lost or our family lost the father and the, the widow. These are the commandments and the principles of Christianity, which the church itself has vacated. Socialism has filled that void that is vacated by Christians. Think about that. There's no need for health care. This is because it's vacated by the church. The church started accepting Social Security. What did old people do before Social Security? Something done add up. Oh, they didn't exist? How did we go from Noah and the flood, because we know went down to one family at that point, you can go before that to Adam and Eve to Noah and the people, and then we're back down to one family, Noah and his family, to now, 
How did all the old people survive? Who took care of them? How did they make it? Well, the Jewish teachers had plenty of proverbs and, and uh, principles in the Old Testament of taking care of the elderly and the widowed and the orphaned. Why is it now that everybody's got to be taken care of by the government? Because the church has vacated this. Who's at fault? Well, the bishops are at fault. They've taught us social justice, social justice, social justice, vacating and saying the government, government, government. They want government to do health care, and now they're against health care. The bishops are because it's got abortion in it. They have paved the way for this. All the social justice did this. Government is not God. Government is not our God. Government is godless. Do you understand that? That's statism. The state itself will never take care of you with the principles of Christianity, but only to enslave you. And the more you become enslaved, the more you want to be enslaved because they're going to give you more. And that's what this is about. Do we not see? Are we so blind? Are we like Helen Keller says? Maybe a few days of blindness will help us see. That's what our lady's message is, and that's what our lady's telling us today in, in her 25th message, which we'll have a program about that tonight. But let's be real with ourselves. Socialism is something of a disease as a result of the church vacating and Christians vacating their position to take care of the social aspects of society that we're deemed to do to, to, and deemed and ordained to do by Jesus Christ. He never said for the government to feed the widow, take care of the orphans. He said the Christians, what he taught, his principles, his faith, his faith, the godly people to do that. We don't need the church. I found this morning something really incredible in a book titled Things and Dominion about money. And it says this. It's about uh, seven things about tithing. But it says, first of all, the tithe was an admission that the earth is the Lord's, not the state's. And the only legitimate tax on the land is by Almighty God. The tithe established property as a right and privilege under God. But with God as the absolute owner. As noted, nowhere in the Bible is there any indication that property rights are ever to be abolished. On the contrary, such rights are emphasized and safeguards are placed around the property to protect man in his possessions. Liberty for the individual is non-existent apart from freedom of possessions and the protection of personal holdings and the property with adequate compensation for its loss or its destruction. Where is it anywhere in Christian principles that the state can tell you and force you to buy health care? That's what this new law is about, plus a hundred other things. Somebody wrote a feedback and said you're dead wrong about the abortion. C give me a break. Do you not? How stupid can our people be? The person who wrote me this is totally ignorant. If not ignorant, totally stupid. I can tell you prophetically, this thing's going to cause euthanasia, the killing of the old. Why? Because it's too costly. I don't have to read it. I don't have to find it in the document. With 2,000 plus pages, there's plenty enough to know that they're going to make it into whatever they want it to mean. The more writing, the more it's interpreted. There's 2,000 or so times that it's referred to also up to the... the, the um, Medical board or the, who's ever going to head this thing up. They're going to put it in the hands of one person to interpret. The more words with anything, the more it can be swayed to what it, anything it wants it to be. And we know there's people dark. We know the state. We know the government without God always gravitates toward darkness. It's going to happen. So I'm saying prophetically, I know euthanasia is in there. I don't have to see the words. It's going to be there. Death panels, as it's been called, is there. 
But see, you're listening, and all of you are opposed to me saying this, you're listening to the government. You're listening to the people who are godless, who are for the socialist things in state. I remember last year somebody wrote me from Switzerland. Socialism is not that bad. Socialism is filling the void of what the church is supposed to be doing. There's no need for socialism. And socialism is bad because it leads to entitlement mentalities. And again, the social justice is what's been taught and has been uh, led to, has lead, led to a lot of the problems we're in. And so we've got people having this from the church, actually, or the, the members of the church and, the, and some of the hierarchy teaching that we're entitled to certain things. You do not have a right to health care. I don't have the right to eat a good meal, you know, when it's taken from another. And so the whole economic system is diseased. We don't even have the ability to talk to people. I'm not, I'm not going to write people back about this because I can't deal with, with people that you're, you're, common sense is way over the head. They don't even have common sense. Just basic sense. It's just logic. Where is the church in all this? Where is the people of the church in all this? They vacated it to the God government, the statism that exists today. So we're in serious trouble. Serious, serious trouble. Mainly because we, do, we can't even deal with people to educate or show them enough what's right. Our Lady said it. You've lost the power of discernment. Many of our own children are really, really very, very ignorant people now. I'm not saying this in a high, mighty way above you. I'll, I'll show you. The messengers will teach you. Our Lady's trying to. But you're rejecting her. You reject her in favor of what's the government going to give me instead of what our lady's already taught and what the Bible teaches is turn to God. He will take care of you. How? Well, you got be, you can't be slothful. You can't be wasteful. I was reading uh, earlier, uh, Dave Ramsey's names financially uh, said deadly, de- seven deadly debt sins. He says envy. is seeing your neighbor drive up in a brand new car can cause you to be envious of what they have. If you're so desperate to feel equal or even better than those around you, you'll buy your way to many things that destroys your chances of building wealth. This is true. This is what's wrong with our society. Because everybody else has this, they think they have to have it. Who says you have to even have a car? I can go two weeks in our community and never leave and get on the road. Why? Because I patterned my way of life, slowly changing around, at least it's changed the direction of life, to... Her way, a new way of joy, she says. And I tell you, it's a joy not having to go somewhere for two weeks. You think, well, I can never do that. Well, you've got to change the direction of your life. I could have never done that 25 years ago until I changed the direction of my life. I can go two weeks without ever putting a wallet in my pocket or a dollar. How? By the way of life I lay shown. That's available to you. Don't tell me, oh, that's easy for you to do. No. It was very difficult for me to do. I was in business. I had entanglements. I had 26 employees. I had many things going on. But I prayed. I said, lady, show me. Show me how this works. And it's there. And it's too much to go into a 30-minute program. But still, many things you're chasing destroys your ability for God to show you this way. Pride, he says. This can happen when you try the 90, 90, 90 days, same as cash routine. You buy major plants. Appliances, promise to pay it off, 87th day. Then something happens, you go on vacation, forget the deadline. Then you bounce a check. Don't try to use the system to beat the system. 
That's what people think they're doing. People, people are patterned and trying to beat the system. Trying, how can you do that? The only way to, to get what you're supposed to get is when you're able to get it is to get it. When I was in business, I had planned to buy this machine or that machine, but I never thought about going to the bank and borrowing the money. I said, God will dictate when I can get that machine when I've made enough profit to buy that machine. Then I got it. I didn't put a timetable. I got to have this in two months. I put the restrictions on when the money's there, it will happen. If it's not there, it ain't going to happen. And so we've lost the principles of building your house one room at a time. Joan, I know we were talking about a letter you got to read that, that kind of goes into some of this. It's from Elizabeth Elliot. Actually, I've quoted her. Uh, or actually, she's been quoted. She's got a radio show. But it's a letter she's read on her radio program. I thought it was a very interesting letter. Um, Elizabeth Elliot had made a statement. on, um, And the statement was, My life is just loaded with privileges, which I trust I will never imagine I deserve. And this listener was uh, responded to that statement by saying, I read that several times. My life is just loaded with privileges, which I trust I will never imagine I deserve. Because for me, it was such a simple but profound statement. How often I have taken for granted and in turn felt I deserved the many blessings the Lord has bestowed on me. Sometimes I've been guilty of considering some of the smaller, more insignificant things in my life, just that. This single statement you made caused me to think that as I consider these small, insignificant things, that I somehow consider them entitlements, fringe benefits, if you will, something I have earned and deserve. This, no matter how subtly, smacks of pride. You define prayer as acknowledgement of utter dependence on Him. That thought has been just one more avenue by which the Lord has reminded me of who he is and who I am not. I've been struggling as of late with letting go of expectations, reasonable expectations. So why should I let them go? Because, as I mentioned before, I have come to feel that I deserve these expectations to be filled. I am entitled, perhaps. But even as I write this, I'm ashamed. Sometimes, as has become so painfully apparent... God's plan is something else. In this case, humility. If he gave me all I feel I deserve, I wouldn't acknowledge it as a gift from him. It would only be gobbled up as too many cookies by a greedy child. I would then push myself away from the banqueting table, my face full of crumbs, feeling quite content with myself and with the fact that I have had my share, which was due me. If this is so, where is my gratitude? Where is my acknowledgement of utter dependence on God? There is none. And really, how content am I with this? It's so shallow. And because of that, not sustaining. I have been learning to be content. How difficult it is to be content in plenty. Even if I am not unreasonable in my desires, if they are not based on a desire for God's will, whatever, then I am destined for discontent. I whine like a spoiled child. Why, Lord? I have heard and understand with my mind this idea of trusting God, but oh, that I would know it in my heart, even in the things I think I deserve. It is not even that I think he will not fulfill these desires eventually, but today I know that he cannot. If he did, I would only say it's about time, and I knew I was right. I think of my little ones, 
and how sometimes one might demand something that's rightfully his. In that instance, I withhold that something, not because I would not want him to have it, but because he has demanded it from me. How my little ones teach me. You know, this reminds me of, uh, are you in love with the, the blessing or the one who blesses? And so often we, we are greedy like that. I, I remember when I began to buy land years in the 70s, at the end of the 70s and early 80s, that I had uh, just cut a deal on 20 acres down the road from where I live now. And, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I walked out of the house into the backyard, and I, and I turned to God and prayer. I said, God, what are you doing? How, how, how am I getting? I worked for the money. I earned it. It was, it was my money. I cut a deal and got it. But I'm, I'm out there saying, God, how, what are you doing? What are you giving me this for? I can't believe you just gave me this land. I, and I'm, I'm telling you this, that I sincerely was in disbelief why was he so good to me? I didn't think, well, it's my money. I worked for it. It never, it never entered my heart. I just could never think that I could, I was, I was transferred not from the land, but even he gave me the money. He gave me the ability to earn it. So it wasn't just the land. It was that, that I had the money to get that. How could he give me the money to do that? How could he give me the ability to earn it? How could he give me the business to do that? How could he give me the customer to make that? And this is the kind of godly people we're supposed to be. And, and I'm not singing that as praises. I'm saying it's the right attitude. Because gratefulness begets another favor. And I got other tracts of land. And I got other tracts of land after that. And I never could believe that. But that's rooted back even to building our home. That many people, we've had 100,000 people move to the bedroom. We've had a lady, the mother of God, appear. They give many messages. I still walk by the bed and say, what, Mary, what did you come down here for? Why, why did you come here? I know the reasons, I know that, but I just, I'm, I'm in disbelief. I believe it, but I'm in disbelief. Because I don't deserve that. And so, when we moved and built our house, we spent eight years doing it. We struggled, we, we fought, we saved, we built, we earned. We did all this. And I can remember after about a month sitting in the loft one day when all the kids and my wife was in the bed thinking, God, what you are so good. I don't deserve this house. What have I got? What have you given me this for? It's paid for. It's our dream home. Why do you give these things to me? I don't deserve it. And to this day, I still don't understand it. And so with a proper attitude, is nothing, nothing's owed to you. But we've got people believing so much is owed to them that it's destroying not only the family, it's destroying the nation. I don't deserve to live in the United States of America. It's a privilege. We have people still fighting to get in this nation that everybody thinks is so bad. It's not. It's constitution is not. It's decoration is not. It's, it's, it's history is not. It's who's running it is bad now. Why? Because it's a government mentality. Uh, uh, rather, an a, a, um, entitlement mentality ran by a government who wants to enslave people by giving them that because then they keep in power. I'm not talking about parties. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about mentalities. We have a mentality that's very diseased and sick today. And that transfers into your house. 
we have a house that, uh, you know, moving from 1,000, uh, 3,000 square foot house to 1,000 square foot. This lady just talked about. How many people are going to do that today? Where they're in this 3,000 square foot house because they believe they deserve that. Show me where you deserve that. Everything is of God. Everything comes from God. When we bring a new piece of equipment or something come in at Caritas, the first thing we do is we get the miraculous medals, we get the epoxy glue, we bring the whole community, we kneel down around it and say, God, let's just say it's a, a, a printing press. God, this machine 200 years ago was nothing but minerals in the earth. It was scattered across wherever origins is from. It is your laws of physics which brings us together through not what man has invented, but what he discovered you had invented through physics. This came together, these parts, this plastic, this metal, this steel, all from the earth, which is your domain which you own. And through some kind of genius that you've allowed years, eons ago in the beginning creation, you allowed these minerals and elements to come together to form this press. How proud it is for us to ever think this came from us or some kind of new invention of man. This is the touch of God that is of God. It is of your creation. It is you. We therefore worship you for this thing that has your touch and your beauty and your creation into it. We consecrate it to you that what comes off of this will lead to conversions, graces, holiness, the change of the direction of the world. We thereby put this medal on it, consecrate it, and give it to you and show that your titleship, as a reminder of us, is always upon it. Nothing from us. We are from dust, and dust we shall return. Therefore, this machine always is to be yours. This is the attitude for everything you got. From a little eraser for a chalkboard to, 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 to your blender, to your house, to your shoes, to everything. This is what our lady is trying to teach us. And then by doing that, God can entrust with you things, things of the earth. Because here is my people down here, kneeling down in front of this press, or this rake, or this shovel, and they're, they know who owns it. I will make them fruitful and I will multiply what they do. And the things, because the things we have in community is a temporal good to show us and others how to get to heaven. Nothing more than that. It's not the possession, it's the use of the possession. God owns it. It's his domain. And any attitude other than that takes away or diminishes or kills the soul. So this is an important mentality to understand. I know that, um, that you started on this path long before the community began when you, um, you had a swimming pool that you built or had made as you were building your house all those eight years so that when you were working, you and um, your wife, the kids had something to keep them occupied too. But um, when you this was put on your heart to do these consecrations, uh, you decided to consecrate your swimming pool to God. And maybe you'd like to share that story and really was the beginning of God using you in this mission of spreading the message of Our Lady. Well, I walked out on the deck one day and I was thinking, you know, everything needs to be God's, but, you know, what God does have any use for a swimming pool. God's got no use for a, a luxury item like this or something that's, that's uh, for entertainment and pleasure. And so uh, I said, and I told God that. I said, I don't know what you're going to do with this, God, but I'm going to give this to you. I consecrate the swimming pool to you. 
Well, there were priests coming into town at that time uh, who wanted a break. They went to EWTN, and there were there were some of the famous priests who were always on the air, and wherever they went, they were around people. And so it got to where I was helping down at EWTN at the time, and they would come out and go swimming. And so we had uh, these well-known priests in, in the Catholic world were there, and one of them told me, Father Ken Roberts, actually, we was discussing Medjugorje one day in the swimming pool. And from that conversation, I tell me, if you ever find a way to go, then this is probably back in 84. It, it was communist. It couldn't hardly get there. If you ever find a way to go there, I want to go. Just don't even call me. Just You just book me, and I'll send you a check. He says, okay. Next year, he says, he calls me up. He says, you're not going to believe this. There's a whole plane being chartered by the Fatima group, which was at that time the Blue Army. Chartered a whole plane to go, one of the first big, large official groups to go to Medjugorje. And, and he, said, I, he said, you want to go? I said, no, what do you mean, don't want to go? I told you I want to go. And so that simple little thing... And, and many other contacts through this, another priest, actually, Caritas was named by another priest, Father McDonough, in the swimming pool. I said, I'm starting this nonprofit organization. I don't know what to call it. He says, he says call it Caritas. I said, well, what's that mean? He says, love and charity. I said, fine, that's what we'll call it. So a lot of things, can't. you'd be surprised what happens when God gives it to you. He can use things that you could never imagine the way you'd use it. If you really sincerely want to use it for the kingdom of God. And lady gave a message that we'll end with that said to the effect uh, give over all your possessions to Jesus as, as a king over kingdom. And when you do that, if all things of the earth he created and all things that come out of the earth, the man reforms into whatever product it may be or temporal or good it may be that's used as a temporal good, can be used to spread the kingdom of God. I wrote, I see far. We're very opposed to television because Satan does take derivatives and make these things into something that was never intended for man's use. And so... Uh, there are there are things never ordained to be created, uh, medical things, things uh, related to birth control that God never intended the elements of to be used. So those things aren't not from God just because it exists. So you got to distinguish that difference. But the bottom line is, is financially, we're in a situation today that we've got an entitlement mentality, and with this healthcare thing coming up, that people think they're going to get free healthcare. Where is it free? Who pays it? I want to give to the next man out of charity, out of my pocket, because I choose to do that. And I have the freedom by God to do that. And I'm commanded by the principles as a Christian to do that. But I don't want anybody telling me I have to do that. Not because I'm independent, because God don't want it that way. Jesus says, I invite you. Mary says, I invite you. It's from the heart that it has to come, not by force. And when an entity comes and says something like the government, you have to do this, it's dead wrong and it's sinful. It's stealing. The government can steal just like a thief can steal. They have no right to that. You think, I guess the government. No, there's a certain form of government. Small government needs to exist. But you need to understand these principles. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you're really lost. I'm not going to debate you. I'm not wondering if you're right and I'm wrong. I'm wrong and you're right. I know this is right. This is biblical principle. Just what I read about tithing, about God's ownership. Tithing shows that, that it's he who established property. And it's God who invites us to use the property he gave us for the kingdom and glory of God. And once again, that is a friend of Medjugorje from uh, March 25th, 2010, and that was right when the uh, healthcare issue uh, was just starting to, uh, to kind of bloom out and kind of go into uh, where, where we, well, of course, where we are now today. So, um, so again, it's interesting hearing after two years uh, some of the things that have come to fulfillment uh, that could only have been seen through prayer. So, Frank, you're on the line with us? Yeah, it's always amazing that uh, sometimes the the things that uh, the Holy Spirit gives me for the show, the last few shows, the the same thing that he would 
uh, start the show with, is what the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me about, and this kind of ties in, is I read the message uh, on the 18th, and, and the show's incredible. I'd recommend everyone uh, to listen to the, the show about March 18th message. But Our Lady says, um, I desire to be your mother. And this makes me think of, uh, it ain't going to happen. There's a story about a prisoner on death row, and Our Lady, it makes me think of two messages, but the one is, Our Lady says to this prisoner on death row, if you want to be me to be your mother and you want to be my son. And it's, it's an incredible thing, as I've seen Our Lady give affirmation to so many of the writings, but it's also as we come to this important feast that will uh, land on a Sunday of Our Lady saying yes to God to be his mother, do we understand, you know, as Christians, do we understand that God had a mother? I gave a, a miraculous medal, Medjugorje Round, to a university student who identified himself as a Christian. And when I, I, I always say the same thing. Now you carry Mary, who carried God in her womb. And he, he, he's, he's very moved by this. And, he, you know, we just don't think there's so much in this message that Mary wants to be our mother. That's all this prisoner on death row needed. And uh, she said, you know, call a Catholic priest. Conversion. And so the other message that I was thinking of is, is the most incredible message that I've thought about many times. It was an incredible question the front of Medjugorje asked in 1986 for the grace of Medjugorje to come here in the United States. And it always was incredible to me to ask for the greatest grace that's come to the Church in 2,000 years to come here to the United States. And I, the, the, the answer is even more incredible. And I, I can't quote it verbatim. I'm sure, Ray, as you probably could, but um, by your life witness, and you'll get what your desire is. In 1986, a friend of Medjugorje was thirsting for souls. He desired to, to be her son and her to be her mother. And she was thirsting for souls, so he was thirsting for souls. And this is where we get these writings that will be seen in the future as helping to, to, to save the church in these times. Satan came before the throne of God and said, I will destroy your church. And God says, how will you do that? I need more time. How much time? hundred years. God must be thinking, this guy forgets, I created my mother. Her humility exceeds your pride. Go ahead. Try. So, these writings come from this humility, and they will be seen as the greatest writings. It ain't going to happen is the most glorious thing that I can think of that's come to the Church in 2,000 years. This opportunity is glorious. Before Jesus came in humility, humbled himself to become a man, Our Lady came in humility. Before Jesus returns again in glory, you have to read it ain't going to happen. This is prophetic writings and the most important writings for the Church to take this back. So I wanted to say some things about the, the physical market, and uh, we probably are running out of time for that, but the information is in the book physically. Silver is the first element in the periodic table to become extinct. And physically, 
it is very more closer to gold than you would think. But you can call me for that information. Um, we're making historic lows today. We'll make them in the next few days, if not today or tomorrow, probably today or tomorrow. And so take advantage of this opportunity. Um, you can call me toll-free. The number is 877-936-7686 for Global Silver Investors. And you can also reach us online, email globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, or you can reach us by, uh, or you can get general information on our website at globalsilverinvestors.com. And Frank is there, of course, to uh, offer you on the physical side uh, what uh, a friend of Bejigoria and Caritas offer on the spiritual side. And so it's kind of taking those things and putting them into uh, a practical way uh, for you to help preserve your means uh, and help sustain you. Uh, through prayer, uh, in a, in a way where you'll be protected in some way. So again, uh, you've got uh, you got that information, Frank. If you want to go ahead and give your phone number again, okay, it's toll free eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six. And uh, be praying for the book that a friend of Bedjigore is writing at this moment. Uh, he is uh, asking for your prayers to help bring this to a quick conclusion. And uh, again, some things that are very shocking. Uh, some things that are very critical for this time, and the book itself is is something that is timed, is something that is time-dated, and so we're hoping to get that on the press uh, very, very soon. So on behalf of a friend of Medjugorje, uh, Medjugorje.com, the community of Caritas, Caritas of Birmingham, and Radio Wave, uh, we wish you our love, and we wish you our lady a uh, good day. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.